bouncing back from Virginia, where Bronco Mendenhall and the Cougars are after Monday's practice in preparation for Texas. BYU TV football analyst and former Cougar quarterback Blaine Fowler joins the program with insider's perspective on how BYU takes down Texas this Saturday. And former Cougar cornerback Brian Logan tells us why this year's defense is ready for the Cougar offense. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of BYU Sports Nation, just the second show ever. Excited to be here. Jerem Jordan alongside Spencer Linton. Just four days separate us from BYU and Texas this Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's the uh, first day of school at BYU as well. Uh, Students back in full force. We show up here around 8 a.m. There are way too many students at BYU with 8 a.m. classes. I don't know about you and you. We're both BYU graduates from several years ago. 8 a.m. classes. I tried to avoid those at all costs. Yeah, I'll take the 3 p.m. class uh, every day. <laughs> Way too many students uh, ambitious in the fall semester. I guarantee there will be fewer students enrolled in 8 a.m. classes come winter semester. Or come two days from now. Yeah, it's nice. It's easy to get up when it's nice outside, but when it's 6 degrees and that inversion settles in in January... Not so much. Forget about it. But let's live it up while it's nice outside. Uh, Beautiful day today, and welcome back to school, everyone. And for those listening, wherever and however you may be joining us, thanks for making us part of your Tuesday. I got my fruit snacks, Jerem. Got my banana. You ready to go? I'm ready to roll. That banana's looking rough, by the way. (laughs) It is a little brown. It still tastes good, though. Don't, I don't buy the stop buying those at Seven Eleven. That's not the place to get them. Uh, we remind you of the many ways to listen to the show: BYUradio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel One Forty Three, and Dish Network Nine Eighty. The show will also be on demand each afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. BYUradio.org will have a relaunch here in a little while, and uh, the show will be housed there. But we encourage you to follow at BYU Sports Nation for daily updates and links to the show. We have a ton to talk about. This is a huge week for BYU sports, not just because Texas is coming into town for a lot of reasons, and that's what we're going to get to over the next 56 minutes or so. Beginning with today's poll question, you can get involved at BYUTVSports.com. That question is, where do you as a fan want to see the most improvement on the football team? There are four options. A, offensive line. B, quarterback play. C, special teams. Or D, the receiver core. Again, weigh in, BYUTVSports.com. That poll will be up. We will update the status of it throughout the show. And uh, always share your thoughts with us. Tweet us at BYU Sports Nation. Uh, We'll address uh, some of your more interesting tweets uh, as much as we have time. I'll weigh in on the poll question. Uh, I want to see the most improvement on the offensive line. I think that's where it starts. Uh, I think if you give Taysom a little more time, maybe – uh, 13 for 40 doesn't happen. I think you establish a rushing game, game even more than you did. and I, uh, Which brings me to another thought. I think that for the time being, BYU is more of a rushing team than they are passing. I think the Taysom Hill strength obviously is the rush. I think that the zone read and the, 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 this go-fast, go-hard offense is predicated upon the rush opening up the pass. And we saw that later in the Virginia game. Brett Thompson, across the middle, uh, was open for nine-yard gains multiple times, dropped one of them in a key situation, but caught a couple of balls across the middle. That's the easiest throw for Taysom to make, and I think it's going to be there if Jamal can continue to rush the way he did on Saturday. 
the run game will definitely open up the passing game. The timing routes, I think, are, are where Taysom is really going to have to spend a lot of time in practice uh, because that takes a lot of chemistry, cohesiveness with your receivers, and that'll come. Uh, again, he's only got three starts under his belt. He only had half a season last year and then, of course, was injured in that Utah State game. Okay, what is trending to lead into that, we go to a brief recap of yesterday, Jerem. Incredible opening show for us. Jamal Williams, Tom Homo, offensive coordinator, Robert and I. So when you have the athletic director, the OC, and your star running back on an opening show, you've had a pretty good day. It was a great day. It, it was great, and much appreciated to those uh, that have helped with the launch of the show, not only internally, but externally with uh, BYU Athletic Media Relations helping us with that. And so it was a fun show, and I think we learned a lot um, post-Virginia that maybe we didn't hear Saturday from from those guys. As a reminder, you can listen to that uh, on demand anytime. It's posted for the time being on YouTube. We're working on a podcast, and we'll give you information as soon as we get more developments on that. But it is available uh, at BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy, I believe, has tweeted out the link a couple of times yesterday. I did as well. It's the BYU Radio YouTube channel. Yeah, it's there. It's good. Don't listen now. I'd rather I'd rather that you stay with us now, and then <laughs> you can go back and listen to yesterday's show. Very good stuff. I promise you'll be entertained. Okay, now we get to what's trending. And, boy, yesterday Jamal Williams gave some really insightful commentary. I almost felt bad asking him about that third down play uh, that uh, caused— you, you got to ask. But it's a question you have to ask, and uh, it, it really brought some— down-to-earth, uh, heartfelt comments from him. But first, we go to, it hurts so good, Tom Homo. I sat with him a little bit, maybe an hour after the game, and he still had his uniform on after the, uh, after the all the interviews and everything. Still had his pads on. And that, that guy had played up and down, a, a two-hour delay, and in his big debut, and his emotions were perfect. You know, he never ever missed a beat, and uh, he he's going. Hey, we got a lot of work to do, but this is going to be fun. We're going to be good. Okay, that was Tom Homo talking about Taysom Hill and just his demeanor after the game. He said, "You know, I really like the fact that he brought up that he had his shoulder pads on for a long time. He he felt like Taysom was a warrior." And uh, Bronco said the same thing. He felt like he battled. Yeah, 13 of 40, not the greatest day for Taysom Hill. Uh, but he had the demeanor that you want your quarterback to have after a brutal loss like that. Yeah, and it, it, that game mattered so much to them. Like, BYU expected to win the game and was extremely frustrated and disappointed that they did not. If you think you're frustrated about the result, just imagine being a player. You've invested how much time in the weight room at 6 a.m. and the whole summer and everything. And then... You looked at Virginia and you thought, you know what, we can go and win that game, and then Texas is going to be a bigger challenge, but we think we can win that one and move on. And it's a, this huge bump in the road. Uh, and so for Taysom Hill to exhibit that level of frustration is good because he cared that much, and they're going to get that much better in practice as they prepare for Texas. You move on to Jamal Williams. You mentioned it. He was in studio. He apologized about the third and sixth play. Let's hear what he said yesterday on the show. Taysom threw a good ball. I should have caught it. I didn't. It's, I pretty much put that on me mostly. Um, I, I'm my worst critic of all time. So it's it's a, it's a learning experience for me. So I just got to deal with it. The game is over with. Go to the next one. But pretty much I feel like that was that was on me. So 
Um, apologize for everything for that one. And um, this game, execute a little bit better. I'm going to catch everything. Whatever I got to do to help my team out is is um, my how I feel about it. So if I got to stay after practice and catch more balls to, to ensure that I'm not going to drop another one to to make another interception, then so be it. Because I don't want to be the reason for us to lose. I want to be one of the reasons for us to win. So um, just now I just got to work even harder now, no matter what, because I still got a little bad taste in my mouth for it. So I'm just working harder and harder to, to make up for it. Jamal Williams yesterday on BYU Sports Nation. And the fact that he apologized was so... I, we didn't. We weren't asking for an apology per se, but he just felt bad. I think in you know what? If I catch the ball, we get a first down. We we win the game. I love Jamal Williams' character, and there's something about him. Maybe it's the fact that he's 18 years old and he hasn't had all of the hey, here's athlete speak. Here's all the euphemisms that you use. Here's all the phrases that you should say to cover up what you actually think. He's very honest. He's not brutally honest. He's just he's just frank. And I love it. Uh, he's honestly the most interesting interview on the BYU roster. His mother, Nicole, who was a track star at UCLA, at UCLA grad 90, she tweeted at the show yesterday. She said, very proud of Jay Swag Daddy. That's Jamal's handle on Twitter. Naturally. Accept responsibility and work harder. Thanks, Coach B, in reference to Bronco, for honor, tradition, and loyalty. I, I love the kid that she's raised, and it was a ton of fun to have him in here. And like he said, he's going to do whatever it takes to get better, and he wants to be the reason that BYU wins, not the reason that it lost. And he's not the reason BYU lost. There were a series of play, but that's kind of the one that sticks out in fans' minds. He's very much a reason that BYU was in position to win the right. game. Right, right. Uh, 144 yards and just a horrible day as far as conditions are concerned. But how do you not love that kid when, when he gives a heartfelt apology uh, after how well he played up to that point and that he was willing to take that sort of responsibility and, and use it as motivation. When we got done interviewing him, I said, you know, you don't have to be so hard on yourself. And he said, well, that's just how I am. I'm going to be my toughest critic because I want to be the best. And so really, I just, I don't know. We're approaching man crush territory, I think. <laughs> Hey, if he rushes for 144 each week, I'm totally okay with that publicly. Jamal Williams, a class act, no question. And uh, when he says something, he, he, he will deliver. That's, that's what you love about that. And, again, just the honesty, uh, no athlete speak, um, refreshing, uh, at least from our standpoint, being members of the media and, and uh, doing this radio show. Okay, we move on with what else is trending. The offensive line. Oh, boy. Okay, a lot of work to do there. But you have the coaches in place to get better in a hurry, bringing back Robert and I and Garrett 2J. Uh, those guys are very vocal in practice. Uh, they harp on those guys all the time, and you better believe in film session they had some conversations uh, with a few players to get Taysom some more time uh, to become more disciplined. But you need to keep in mind, the field conditions were so bad. How do you protect a quarterback when you have no footing? Uh, you have no push. It's so hard. And, and so that was interesting for me uh, to have that brought to my attention yesterday was that's, that's true. It's so difficult to get a good block on when you can't plant your feet consistently. So some of that should go away, but it'll be interesting to see 
how they bounce back after performance like that against Virginia against a very good defensive front from Texas. BYU's offensive coordinator and a former BYU offensive lineman himself on the national title team, Robert and I, had this to say on the show yesterday about the offensive line. You know, I'm more concerned about uh, our team than, than even during the game. You know, I, w- I would like to have seen us uh, uh, execute our, our, our blocking, and blocking is effort. When I say execute, I'm, I'm talking about putting better effort into how we how we block. And uh, boy, you look at the film a day a day later, a couple of days later, and uh, you know those things are, are are showing. So we've got to do a better job uh, putting forth our effort into the actual task that we're we're assigned to. They traveled eleven different offensive linemen to Virginia. And uh, said that they had, had planned to play all of them. I, I don't know how much time all of them saw specifically. I know that uh, at least eight or nine saw pretty consistent time. But I'm thinking that they will rotate in more to keep those legs fresh, especially with how fast. You're running 93 plays. You need all 11 of those guys. Yeah, and Bronco Mendenhall yesterday after practice addressed that very thing and what can we what we can expect. Where we start for this upcoming five will be really interesting to see. Most likely it will not be the same starting five that just finished uh, our opener. Won't be the same, same starting five. And uh, it was a huge, huge uh, thing in spring uh, to get those guys here, the JC guys and the freshmen, uh, you know, they all c- kind of came late and eight new guys, four high school recruits, uh, f- and then four JC guys. A couple of those guys saw time, but not very many. They were the subs. It was the guys that have been here, the uh, Vitae's and Alettos and Yeks. And, Matthews. And, yep, and we'll see. Yep, Riker Matthews, the only guy returning that started all 13 games last year. And so that group has a lot of work to do. I, uh, I want to say the most work to do of any group, and it really starts there. And BYU is going to be challenged greatly by a really good defensive line for Texas this Saturday. Yeah, if you if you thought Virginia's defensive front was good, and they were, we should give them credit. That's the strongest part of that Virginia team is the defensive front. Texas will only be better. It's harder to find a non five star recruit on the Texas roster than it is to to uh, f- I guess find someone that's less. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're extremely talented. And for Texas and teams like Texas, if you don't win 10-plus games and at least are in your conference championship game or a BCS Bowl, you talk about expectations. BYU fans want BYU to succeed. You know, It's another level uh, for Texas. And they had a nine-win season last year. And you could sense from what I've read and seen and watched, there was still mild disappointment. Only nine wins. You know, and for BYU, kind of the standard is get to double digit, get to 10, get to 11. And so Texas is coming off a year where they were very young. Two years ago, the, the team that beat BYU in 2011 goes 5-7. and seven. And BYU almost beats them. That would have been a great win, even if it is a four-win Texas team that year, if BYU is a winner. So the standard's extremely high, but they're coming in with a lot of confidence. The most experienced quarterback in the Big 12, David Ash. One of only two teams to go 700 yards plus last week. The other team, pretty obvious. Oregon. Texas and Oregon went 700. Is 715 good, Jerem? Uh, where I come from, it's very good. <laughs> I yes. have that as excellent, by the way. <laughs> oh, Texas. Loaded with talent. Again, five-star recruits all over uh, their roster, their their lineup. David Ash, dual-threat quarterback. 
I believe they ran for over 300 and passed for over 300. Yes. So it wasn't it was, like... It was within like three yeah, yards of the same 368 number. 368 and That's 365 balance. or something. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to attempt to do that math right now. But it's too early in the morning. I need some of those... Is it? I need some of those it's students, local students to help me out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, that being said, David Ash is a true dual threat. He busted off long touchdown run in that game against Mexico State, and he can chuck it. BYU's defensive backs weren't exactly tested at Virginia with the new quarterback, David Watford, but they will get their litmus test, as you said yesterday, when Ash starts chucking the ball around. I'm excited to see the BYU defense play against Texas uh, because this is, a, this is a true test. This defense for BYU is really good. And I've been thinking the last couple of days, with the offense, we've been saying, don't panic, it was just one game. We can make more of an assessment of BYU's defense because they did it last year. If the offense had been good last year and then struggled in game one, then there'd be uh, it, it's a different situation. But this defense has rose to the challenge, uh, risen to the challenge, time and time again uh, last year. And there were a couple of times where Notre Dame had too too much on the ground. Oregon State had too much in the air, and those were games that uh, BYU was in late and had a chance in, but did not did not win. Now Texas comes in, and granted they played New Mexico State. This is a team that BYU played. In its regular season finale last year, James Lark throws six touchdown passes. Hoffman has five. BYU lit him up. How much can we gauge of how good Texas is from 700 yards against New Mexico State? I don't know. It's like looking at BYU's New Mexico State game. Cody Hoffman, best receiver in the country based on the New Mexico State game. Well, he's good. Let's look at the body of work. But uh, from the highlights I saw, uh, thanks to the Longhorn Network on YouTube, six minutes of highlights. Nice shout out. They... uh, New Mexico State missed a ton of tackles, a ton of tackles. And in the first half, New Mexico State led 7 to nothing with about two minutes left. It, it took a while for Texas to figure out their offense. Uh, they turned the ball over three times. They struggled. I think there's an opportunity there. The second half, it just got silly. The speed of Texas just overran them, and they finally got – there were some screen passes. They're running for 60, 70 yards. They had a ton of 50-plus-yard plays. I, I think this BYU defense is a little more stout and, uh, and more ready for that. And we're going to have Brian Logan on the show a little later to talk about cornerback play. The cornerbacks were not tested, were not tested against Virginia. They will be this Saturday. You mentioned Cody Hoffman, Jerem. He didn't play against Virginia. That was huge news Saturday morning to all of Cougar Nation, really. And uh, he tweaked his hamstring, tried to, tried to go, but just said, you know what, not today. He told Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler on location, not today. Uh, they're hopeful he gets back for Texas, very hopeful. And uh, if BYU wants to win, I feel like Cody Hoffman needs to play. Whether he's catching balls or taking attention away from other players to open up other receivers, he needs to be part of the game. And I think Taysom Hill needs Cody Hoffman. I don't think he goes 13 for 40 if Cody Hoffman's in that game. Here's what Bronco Mendenhall had to say about the injury status of Cody Hoffman yesterday. Cody, uh, man, not much to say. He's had one day of rest from the game. Um, they listed, and Cody himself, they, they're saying 80 to 85% is where they thought it was on Saturday. So, man, I, I'm hopeful for, um, for this upcoming week. And hopeful sounds okay. I'd, I'd, it's just Monday. So hopefully Wednesday we're hearing more like he's ready to go. He's going to be in the game and he's good. I imagine he'll play. Regardless, he's a warrior. They, he La- sat out. He didn't sit out Virginia to not play against Texas. Didn't he play most of last season with an injury, Cody Hoffman? Yeah, was he, he was he not banged up. 
Yeah, he's he's had labrum. He missed a spring in years past with the labrum. He uh, he missed yeah he missed this spring. Uh, missed a lot of the Washington State game, and so I think he's going to play. My point being, bringing that up, he'll play if he can. He's not a guy that's just going to sit out a game. He wants to play. He'll play through injuries, uh, but a hamstring is a really tough situation as a wide receiver. You can't create space. You you can't get past anybody. You're dealing with hamstring issues. Okay, we have discussed what is trending. Up next, Blaine Fowler joins us and will tell us what three fatal flaws were from Saturday's game. Yeah, if you if you think about it, BYU's three what I would call fatal errors in the ball game. Um, we're all unforced errors. So coming up on BYU Sports Nation, more from Blaine Fowler and why BYU will take down the Texas Longhorns. This is BYU Sports Nation. We remind you to watch True Blue with Dave McCann Monday nights on BYU TV at 8.30 Eastern Time and catch video on demand of the show on Tuesday afternoons on BYUTVSports.com. That said, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the second ever show here on BYU Sports Radio. Uh, Jerem, thoughts after uh, a show and a half really quickly? What do you think, man? How's it going? Oh, on the show? Yeah. It's fun. I hope that uh, fans are enjoying it. We'd love to incorporate your tweets. Tweet at BYU Sports Nation, uh, and we'd like to read some of those. Let's get to the poll results on BYUTVSports.com. Continue to vote there. Where do you want to see the most improvement on the BYU football team? Offensive line leading at 87%, quarterback play at 5%, receivers at 8%, 0% for special teams. Okay, well, there you go. They gave up a blocked punt and uh, had a few miscues on special teams, but... Made a field goal. They did make a field goal. Scott Ariana was good. Scott Ariana, yeah, we'll get to more of that the, later. the fumbled punt. Uh, Justin Sorensen, early confidence, so important for him uh, to gather that as he begins his senior campaign. Blaine Fowler makes his weekly appearances on True Blue as a former BYU quarterback. For the record, he was our second in-studio guest ever. A fitting position for a backup quarterback. Blaine Fowler joins us. Blaine, great to have you with us. You were at the game talking about how much the weather impacted BYU's ability to move the ball. Do you still feel like the Cougars should have won the game regardless? Yeah, because I think the weather affected Virginia as well. That's why the per-play averages were so down for both teams. And you know, BYU's defense played great. And and UVA is much improved on defense this year. They expected that they would be. They've had some guys that have been injured that were back this year that were healthy for the first time in a couple of years. So they had talent defensively. But on a dry day, UVA's not going to average three yards per play, and BYU's not going to average 3.9 yards per play. We're going to see more offense. It And it wasn't just the ability to execute in the weather. It was the disruptive nature of how the whole day went. You know, they come out and they play a quarter and you just got this sense in that first quarter that they were trying to get a feel for one another and that's when you would normally kind of kick in that second quarter. And uh, then all of a sudden, hey, we've got to clear the stadium out. There's thunder cells within six miles. And by the way, good thing they did. Literally, the last people were just scurrying into the portals and this thing hit and you guys didn't get to see it on TV. It was unbelievable. It was thunder, lightning, deluge rain, like just waterfalls coming down the stadium. For two hours. So now you're sitting around for two hours, which I think if you're the home team and you're familiar surroundings, that's a little bit better than if you're the away team sitting in a locker room doing nothing. Then you come back out and you play another quarter, and then you go back in for 10 minutes, and then you come back out, and in that second half it was pouring rain. And so it was the combination of a slick ball, a heavy ball, no footing, and the disruptions 
and I think I think that it probably had a bigger impact on BYU as a visitor than it did on the University of Virginia. And when you look at the the weather delay, what did you and Dave uh, do to entertain yourselves during those two hours? See, now we were spoiled. We know what Jamal Williams I, did. We I learned that yeah, yesterday. Jamal, yeah, that's Injustice, right. some iPad app. I know. You so. know, Jamal, he entertains himself. He entertains everybody else. So, <laughs> so Dave and I, at the first sign of any danger, made headway for the tunnel immediately. Dave so, first, of course. Oh, I always let him go first because he's the king, you know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just the prince of BYU TV. He's the king. And so I followed the king in, and um, we decided we'd take the elevator up and we would find cover. We went up into the press box and found a TV and watched other games on ESPN. And, and then, you know, we're trying to keep tabs. And we were sitting with, uh, with uh, the talent for ESPN trying to get news from them. What are you guys going to do? Are you going to air this? Um, you know, Derek Marquis was with us, and Derek uh, was saying— Managing hey, director of yeah, BYU Yeah, managing director of BYU. And he was saying, hey, listen, if you guys aren't going to air it, there's got to be a way that we can figure this out so that we can put it on our air. So That's when I start it. getting emails at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, we were Back literally— Derek was really saying, hey, we can do this. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up some of the tab on some of this. We can do this. And then ESPN decided they would just run it local um, on the cable networks in those local markets in Virginia and Utah, and then they would take it off national. So a lot of people didn't get to see that second half. But we sat up there— and they even made us get out of the halls. Nobody in the hallways. You had to be in the confines mm. of an interior room. It, it was that big of an electrical storm. And the rule was that they couldn't have a lightning strike within six miles of the stadium for 30 minutes. So after the last lightning strike, 30 minutes later, they brought the fans back in. And it was good then. We had no rain for a few minutes. And then about midway through that third quarter, it started to come down again. And I'm telling you, it it poured for a lot of that second half. And Did that the power made, go out? In, during the electrical storm during the break, the power went out, backup generated power would come on, it would go, and then the power would come back. So they had little power outages, but not ever completely lost power in the stadium. It was crazy. You know, I felt like I was in the, the last time I've been in a thunderstorm that bad was down in the Caribbean, where the, you know it just rains like crazy. It was unbelievable. Armageddon. It was crazy. And when you look at the way that that impacted the game, uh, certainly the third down and six to Jamal Williams that kind of skids off his hands. Uh, I know you, you said with the uh, it was a little a little high and a little too fast, um, but that that's a play that kind of defined the game and it, it could have won it and it lost it for BYU. Yeah, if you if you think about it, BYU's three what I would call fatal errors in the ball game um, were all unforced errors. And you liken it to basketball. You, point guard comes down, throws the ball out of bounds, and nobody's defending him. He just turns it over. You hate that. As a coach, it just drives you crazy. It's like, hey, that's us. Nobody forced us to do that. In basketball, if you get to the rim and you execute your play and a great shot blocker comes over and, and erases the shot, well, hey, that was a good defensive play. Well, in this football game, they were point guards coming down and throwing them out of bounds type plays. So the block punt slipped through. You know, you know, again, a slippery ball. And if there's not a, what was it, a illegal formation or false start? Yeah, BYU before they got a clean punt away right, right before that. So a mental error forces them to do it again. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they brought the same football back and put it back down. Not not positive. So now it's a heavy wet ball, and it and it goes through Scott's hands. And and in the time for him to regather himself, they fortunately for UVA had a pump block on. So they could have elected to return it the second time. They decided to come after it, and uh, and they get it blocked, and that results. And a touchdown. Not immediately, but a couple plays later, it's a touchdown. Um, and then you have the fumbled snap. So a fumbled snap that rolls around, nobody can pick it up. BYU finally recovers it, but in their own end zone, that's two. That could have been worse, too. Yeah. And that it could have been. It would have been. It was better. You know, Dave and I sitting in the press box at that time thought, well, that was better than actually letting them recover it or turning it over on downs inside the five and letting it be a touchdown. So 
the safety wasn't the worst thing there, but it did cost him two points. And then in the last one, it's it's a play, and I have no problem with Robert and I calling that play. It was a safe play. They had a timeout before the play. I'm certain that he said uh, to Taysom, we'll run this play. Our goal is to get you know Jamal isolated on a linebacker. If he's isolated on the backer and he's wide open, go ahead and throw it in there. If he's not wide open, either throw it in the ground or just tuck it and run it because we can punt and let our defense play. So this was a don't take any chances. If he's wide open, we're going to get the first down and we and we extend this offensive drive and maybe run the clock out uh, is what, what, what he probably said to – um, to taste him. So he felt comfortable, especially after a timeout, I'm sure, with that instruction to send him out there and do it. So I don't have any problem with the play call at all. Taysom drops back. They get exactly what they're looking for. It's a, not only is it one-on-one, the outside backer came. It was the inside backer covering him from inside out. That's and coverage. I, I loved your breakdown on True Blue during film session where you point out exactly what was going on yeah. during that so, play. So, exa- so last night, if you got to watch that, then, then so he runs that out. It's an inside backer. That's exactly what they wanted to happen. He breaks free. That's as open as you get in college football. And so Taysom throws the ball. The ball's thrown a little hot. I mean, and, and Taysom... He, through experience, when it's a wet day, sometimes you ha- when a guy's wide open, you have to take a little bit off of it because the ball's heavy and it's slimy. And, but it, and it's a little high, but that's a ball that on a dry day, Jamal Williams has no problem catching. And it just squeezes through like a watermelon with grease on it. And in the back end, you've got a safety. They're playing too deep. They've got a safety playing over the top of the corner helping. And he just happens to turn around. The ball hits him in the chest. It's like, hello, thank you very much. Completely an unforced error. So, and that costs BYU after the lateral, which was a smart play by the safety. Very head to align. Yeah, because they would have been out on the 40, and I don't know that they could have scored a touchdown from there. But they get the ball on the 16-yard line, and then they score. And and so you look at that, and you say, three completely unforced errors cost 16 points in a game you lose 19-16. to 16. The only earned point, so earned runs in baseball, only earned runs in this that. football game, yeah, um, they had three earned runs in this game, and that was they had a nice little short drive right before the half, and they kicked a 54-yard field goal. A great kick, by the way. And so they earned they earned three, and BYU gifted them 16. In a game that's in that kind of conditions, on the road, against a team that's athletic, not a great team, but an athletic team, you're just not going to win if you give them 16. Blaine Fowler joining us, a pros pro analyst on BYU TV, and now joining us on BYU Sports Nation Blaine, you spoke with some of the players after the game. What was the initial intake from them processing what had happened, and did you take any positives from it as they move forward to Texas now? Yeah, I, I think that they're all very disappointed. You know, and and Dave and I were both really impressed with Taysom Hills. He came out and visited with us right after the game. Bronco came out and visited with us right after the game. You know, in fact, I talked to Jamal. I talked to Ethan Montemayuna after the game. A number of the guys after the game and. They all seem to come out very disappointed, but with a resolve that they know that they let one get away and they've got to fix some things uh, to get ready for next week. Now, the good news about this schedule this year is in the last couple of years, and even when they were playing in the Mountain West, you only have a, a few marquee games in a year. And when you lose one of those marquee games, you just feel like, wow, now we don't have very many opportunities to get back in this thing. BYU could find themselves right back in, in getting votes for being ranked in two weeks. Literally, because now they don't have time to go, oh, this is terrible. They play Texas this week, who just thumped New Mexico State and is ranked. They play Utah the week after. Then they get, or they have a bye, Probably. and then they play Utah the week after. So so if they come out of this thing two and one uh, three weeks from now, nobody's even going to worry that they lost that Virginia game on the road in a rainstorm. Oh, and by the way, people that vote and all of that, the game came off national television after 
after the rain. That might have been a good thing. So not a lot of people even saw that game. And if BYU can go on a run a la you know, the year in 96 when they lost to Washington early, on the road, in a rainstorm, and, uh, and then they go on a long winning streak, people forget about what happened at the beginning of the year, especially if you can get some marquee wins against a Texas, a Wisconsin, a Notre Dame, a Utah, Utah State. So there's plenty of opportunities. And I got the sense from the players after the game, Spencer, that they're upset. Disappointed that they gave one away, but resolved that we don't have time to think about this. We got Texas this week. Well, let's talk about Texas. I mean, they, they rack up over 700 yards of offense against a porous New Mexico State defense, but still a school record. What's going to be the difference for Texas this year compared to a couple of disappointing seasons they've had recently? Yeah, I, I think this is the most veteran team they've had probably in the last five years. And they've gotten progressively better. Nine wins last year. And especially on offense. They have 10 returning starters on offense, but they have 18 returning guys on offense that have started a game or more. So so they have 18 guys. So not only do they have returning starters, they've got depth. So the only reason they don't have 11 returning starters is because they have a guy so good to play that 11th spot that there's seven other guys that have started before that they didn't play in front of them. So, so this is a veteran group. Um, Major Applewhite, who was the running backs coach last last year, was a quarterback at the University of Texas. He is now the coordinator. He's going up-tempo, and in this game they played against New Mexico State. It seemed like they were trying to feel their way around the first quarter, much like BYU. Where they had good weather. They got it going, and boy, did they get it going, to the tune of 715 yards. They have a very uh, composed, athletic, accurate-throwing quarterback in David Ash. So... This is a completely different challenge for BYU this week. This is an offense that is going to come in confident with with a quarterback that is very capable of hurting him throwing the football, but is also athletic. Last week against Virginia, that's a young quarterback that's Steve Fairchild told me it's it's one of the most athletic kids he's ever coached, but he's got to teach him to be a thrower. David Ash is already a thrower. And and then he's athletic on top of that. And you have your entire offensive line back, so they're good. Hey, and don't forget that their defense has eight returning starters. So if you look at a roster for Texas of their top 22, um, every one of those kids was a top five in the country recruit coming out of high school at their position. In fact, a number of them are the number one. You know, Jordan Hicks was the number one linebacker in the country coming out of high school at linebacker. Jackson Jeffcoat was the number one rated defensive end coming out of. So they have a lot of number one recruits in the country at their positions. So we know they're talented. We know they're talented. This is a big challenge, but. I always like BYU at Elevation, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and and I think the things they did wrong last week are correctable on offense, and they've got to get more push on that offensive line. Those are a couple things I'm looking for. Yeah, Mac Brown said they were going to have oxygen masks to get ready for Elevation. I love in the first quarter when they bust those out. It's like, oh, it's getting to them. <laughs> you can yeah. see it right then. Uh, chatting with Blaine Fowler, BYU TV football analyst, former quarterback, uh, 81 to 85 for the uh, BYU Cougars. Only got to back up two Davey O'Brien award winners, right? Yeah, I that, think that's your claim to fame. I think out. ever, ever, yeah, yeah like at yeah. any place. Because yeah, like I don't know any that school. any other school has back-to-back Davey O'Brien award winners. So I got and to, had the same guy back him up, right? And so I got to back up. Yeah, that's right. So. The the greatest backup in NCAA history, Blaine Fowler. No, just a backup <laughs> to more award winners than any backup in NCAA history. Uh, finally, Blaine, how does BYU defeat Texas? What do they have to do in your mind? A, a couple of keys. Well, I I think that they. They gave Texas problems last year offensively, playing really, really good defense. So they're going to have to mix it up, bring a variety of rushes. I like the fact that BYU's linebacking core um, is really good, not only in getting pressure on the quarterback, but those two outside guys in Alani Fua and, and Kyle Van Noy, they make plays in the passing game. And so 
I, I think this is a defense that can run, you know, can run defend, and they can also defend against the pass well. So I like BYU's chances of keeping the scoring down. And then on the offensive side, they have got to get some run game going. Um, they've got to get a push. So, so the offensive line's work this week is really, really important. They've got to play confidently, know who they've got, be able to knock some people off the ball, um, it, because they'll establish a run that'll open up the pass game for Taysom Hill. So if they can run it, I'm confident that the defense will do their job. Thanks, Blaine. I think my favorite part of that interview, Jerem, was when he compared the football to a greased watermelon. I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said that. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, metaphorical language, if you will. Is that a word? Anyway, coming up, former Cougar cornerback Brian Logan tells us why BYU's defense will be up to the task against Texas and how did the sixth-ranked soccer team fare last night at LSU? Plus, your tweets. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Programming note, check out the live pre- and post-game shows on BYU Radio and BYU TV this Saturday. BYU Radio has pre-game coverage starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time with the one and only Greg Rubel. Then BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 6 Eastern with Alema Harrington, Brian Logan, David Nixon, and others to get you ready for BYU and Texas on ESPN2. Kickoff slated for 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain. Then join BYU TV and BYU Radio right after the game for full post-game coverage. Basically, you have no excuse to not know everything you need to know if you put any effort into it. Yeah, and you could could have both those... Earphones. One earphone with BYU Radio, the other with uh, BYU TV on it. That would be good, something. Good luck. Get a splitter or something. <laughs> Let's reset the poll question. Where do you want to see the most improvement on the BYU football team? The poll results on BYU TV Sports look like this. Still similar to what we had before. 86% offensive line, 8% receivers, 6% quarterback play. I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I mean, it goes back to what you said. The offensive line had the obvious uh, issues, struggles. It's easiest to see uh, that there are some things to fix there, but we've already talked about that. Uh, let's get to some of those tweets that are coming in. Um, and tweet at BYU Sports Nation. You're always invited to do that. You don't have to do that just during the show either. Please send us your thoughts, comments, concerns at any time uh, on demand via the little bird on Twitter. Okay, the first one is coming from at Zach Brady 7 he asks, with BYU being independent and knowing best they can do is the craft fight Hunger Bowl, do the guys mail it in or still give full effort? Well, let's first talk about the bowl game. Uh, it was revealed at Media Day that there is an accelerator clause. I don't know all the details, but that BYU, if let, let's say they ran the table, they could go to a different bowl game than the craft fight Hunger Bowl. They could go to a better bowl game. I don't know what better means in this case. I know that the Cotton Bowl is a higher level bowl than the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl and whatnot. But BYU could go to a different bowl game if they, I don't know the criteria, have X amount of wins or whatnot. So Craft Fight Hunger is certainly in the cards and the most likely uh, scenario for BYU um, since they've inked that deal to ensure themselves a bowl game. But I don't think they're going to mail it in. I think they, I think they understand that, hey, more than likely... You know, we want to go undefeated, but more than likely, it's not going to happen. So let's do our best to have a great season and win as many games as possible. And if that means 12, 11, 10, that's great. If that's like last year, 
eight. At the end of the year, I didn't sense that BYU mailed it in, despite a late loss to San Jose State. Finished strong with a nice victory against San, Jose, San Diego State. Came back ready for this year. Let me ask you this, and this goes to all of you in BYU Sports Nation. Would you rather play the schedule that BYU has now? Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Boise State, Texas, Houston. Would you rather play those teams and be independent or... And probably go eight, eight to ten wins. Yeah, somewhere between eight to ten wins and go to the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl. Or would you rather play in the Mountain West Conference and have maybe a couple of games at the beginning of the year, maybe, uh, that could be BCS conference opponents, automatic qualifying conference opponents, uh, and, and go that route? And that, that's an honest question. Please voice your opinion at BYU Sports Nation. Do you like the independent schedule? Because in my opinion, playing Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Boise State, Texas. Those, those are a bunch of bowl games. Those almost feel like bowl games, do they not? Yeah. It's, it's totally a new dynamic for BYU and their program. And so I like to see them play new big teams. There's a big game every week, it feels like, this year on the schedule. Yeah, I, I like it a lot, and I agree with you. It's a different angle. Because BYU is independent, that's sort of the mindset that you need to have. Otherwise, when BYU loses, you think it's over because there isn't some high-end bowl waiting at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I would rather play these teams than New Mexico, Wyoming, San Diego State consistently. There was something to say for playing for a conference title, like Zach mentioned in his, his tweet. There is context to the season more. So what is BYU playing for? In my mind, you're playing for a ranking. You want to be ranked, and that tells you, oh, we're one of the, the elite teams. But BYU, honestly, just, just go out and If BYU, like Blaine mentioned, I love this fact. If BYU beats Texas and Utah... They'll be ranked. They'll be 2-1. and one. Would you take two out of the three wins in those first three? At the beginning of the year, I think you thought, you know what? Virginia and Utah, those would be great wins. Texas would be incredible. A 3-0 start, you're ranked... 15th, coming out, you know, after three games, why not? Two of three, if I'm a BYU fan, I'd take two of three right now. No question. Uh, We've also had some tweets coming in in regard to BYU playing in that poor weather and that being an excuse as to why they lost. We are not making excuses for BYU. We will not do that because people are right. Virginia played in the same weather. Uh, However, I feel like BYU's mistakes are more easily fixable than Virginia's. We gave them a short field on a number of occasions. We, I should say, BYU handed Virginia a number of opportunities when they had to go a combined 29 yards for their two touchdown drives. BYU cannot do that and win a game. Um, So as bad as the weather was, you're right, both teams played in it, but Virginia was opportunistic when BYU gave them a short field. And, uh, yeah, it, there were some easy, short drives for Virginia to be able to get in. We remind you uh, to tweet at BYU Sports Nation, Jerem Jordan, alongside Spencer Linson here on BYU Radio. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Vote on the poll question on BYUtvsports.com. In a couple of moments, we'll chat with former BYU cornerback Brian Logan, get his thoughts on cornerback play as the uh, former field corner. Uh, why factor? It's on the uh, pregame show, Countdown to Kickoff. Pick a guy that's not one of the main guys, Hill, Hoffman, Vanoy, Williams, who's going to be uh, like the X factor, but we say Y factor. He picked Robertson Daniel. Robertson Daniel was the Y factor after. I'm sure he's going to have something to say about that. And more of more of your tweets uh, right now. Uh, let's see. 
Let's get to uh, at FinDaddy81. He says, one loss does not make your season. Sure hurts, but remember Northern Illinois got a BCS game with one loss in one game last year. And I believe that loss was to Iowa. So kind of a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. Good point there. Uh, another one, Paul Reen, or Ryan. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. He said, being from Albuquerque and a lifelong BYU football fan, I miss the Mountain West Conference because I miss seeing them play every two years. That's a good point. And that's that's the other end of the spectrum. BYU's going all over the country now to play these games. But you're right, it's it's not consistently in the same places. I suppose if you're a basketball fan and you're in the West Coast Conference, you get to see the Cougars play hoops near you. But football, yeah, it's it's not the same. Let's continue on this uh, trend. Certainly, uh, going to at Paul Ryan, being from, oh, sorry, yeah, at, I just read that at one. Salt City Riot is where I'm going. Watching college football this weekend, BYU needs to play an FCS team first to get things rolling. Definitely need a tune up to get things rolling. I know a lot of college coaches want to do that, they want a warm up game. That's why Texas schedules New Mexico State. They want to they have the ability to make some mistakes and not have it affect them, but is there more intrigue in BYU-Virginia or Texas-New Mexico State? I I like the big names. I, I personally do. And with that, there's way more risk of having less wins, and that's kind of the point we're trying to make. Um, another tweet from G Hansen 25 Current schedule and win, 7-10. to 10. 10 would be fantastic with this schedule. That means you're only losing one more game. If you win that 10 wins with this schedule, you're a top 15 team. For sure. Yeah, hands down, you are a, you are a top fifteen team if you can pull off ten wins, especially if one of your losses comes against Virginia, which it did. That would mean BYU would have to beat three of those big four: Texas, Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Uh, <clears throat> regardless, and we we remind you of the many ways to listen to BYU Sports Nation here: uh, BYUradio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, SiriusXM Channel One Forty Three and Dish Network 980. The show will also be on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. And remember to follow at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter. Okay, we're going to try and get Brian Logan for you just as soon as possible. Uh, tomorrow, uh, it's looking like we're going to have him uh, join us to discuss the defense in general. Technical problems. You know, I mean, cell phones are just not reliable. <laughs> but we depend on them. We'll be back with the Cougar Whip Round and much more. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It's now time for the Cougar Whip Around, where we go around campus with other news in BYU sports. We'll start with football. Scott Ariano named the FBS Independent Special Teams Player of the Week. The junior from Santa Inez, California, made his FBS debut in Charlottesville, Virginia, a well-documented torrential downpour, despite which Ariano punted nine times for an average of over 40 yards an attempt. He did have one block, but four of his nine kicks downed inside the Cavaliers' 20-yard line, while his long punt of the day traveled 48 yards. Great start for the new punter. Men's basketball, Hoop Dreamers, we're talking to you. If you want to wear a BYU uniform and play in front of 20,000 fans at the Marriott Center, here's your chance. The men's basketball team has announced walk-on tryouts. Oh, yeah. September 16th, 3 p.m. in the the Marriott Center. If uh, it, yeah, if you're if you're excited at that, you can actually get an info packet at the men's basketball office from Aubrey, Aubrey Reeves, uh, former Tempview star, by the way, uh, by September 6th. Only one... Full time BYU only full time BYU students are eligible to try out. My, I'm sorry, you can't try out. Spencer. Oh man, really? You're not the you're not the next uh, Brock Zilstra or Craig Cusick, former walk ons. When you said walk on tryouts, 
my bosom was burning. Like I, I just, it just makes me excited. But you know what? I, I missed my time. It wasn't my calling. Now you are uh, just a Richards Building All Star. <laughs> RB All Star. What up? Intramural sign up. Oh. Where are we now? Oh, yeah, we're in the Cougar Whip Round. Yeah, Cougar Whip Round. The Cougars will try and uh, right the ship in women's volleyball after a tough opening tournament in Ohio. Uh, they won uh, one of their three matches tonight. 15-minute journey to Orem for a match with Utah Valley, 9 Eastern, right here on BYU Radio. They'll play a trio of games this weekend in Portland, Oregon. Keep it weird. Against Portland State, <laughs> Fresno State, and Oklahoma. You had to get that in there, didn't you? Hell yeah. Being from the Northwest. Yeah. Women's soccer, the sixth-ranked soccer team rolling through Baton Rouge last night. They go on the road and beat LSU 4-2. The Cougars now have three impressive wins to open the 2013 campaign. They'll try and add to that total this Friday night when they host Utah. BYU, Utah, need I say more. Friday night, 9 Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain, live on BYU TV Sports. The stadium at Southfield in Provo. May just break the attendance record they set last Saturday night against Nebraska, Jerem. If there were 5,108 fans Saturday, how many are going to be there Friday night? School wasn't even in, technically. Yeah. It was opening weekend. There were a ton of freshmen. But now it's BYU-Utah, and everybody's back. The Cougars are ranked sixth, coming off three very good wins. I think we may see more than 5,108. Okay, along those lines with women's soccer, we now unveil the daily BYU Sports Nation salute. And it goes to the women's soccer team as a whole. They've scored 10 goals in their first three games after a 4-2 victory at LSU last night. Through three games last year, the best year they ever had, 20 wins, Elite Eight, four NCAA tournament games at home. They tallied just four goals through the first three. So they are off to a great start. So ladies, we all together now salute salute you. So let's wrap up the show, Spencer. Uh, we chatted with Blaine Fowler, got his take and, um, on the Virginia game, and he talked a lot about the Texas game, which we'll dig into even more uh, the next couple of days as we get ready. We continue to uh, encourage you to follow at BYU TV, or sorry, BYU Sports Nation, and uh, tweet us your questions. Each day we'll open up the uh, tweet bag and get to those. Uh, we'll have Brian Logan on tomorrow, but uh, day two in the books, and we inch ourselves closer to Texas. Tomorrow we we turn the page to the Longhorns. Full speed ahead for the Cougars and 15th-ranked Texas. Head coach Mack Brown said some really interesting things during his press conference, and we'll definitely discuss uh, uh, the more intriguing sound bites from that. He doesn't – He I'll, I'll tell you this much. He is expecting a different BYU team than the one that showed up against Virginia. And we'll get into the specifics of that. Yeah, he said that exact phrase. Um, and he understands that, you know – the weather affected how the game was played, and he expects BYU to be much, much better. And so uh, I don't think that that's just coach speak. But I was amazed at the details he knew. He knew some stuff I hadn't heard about BYU. He was bringing it out in the press conference. So we'll dig into that more tomorrow. He might be my favorite coach as far as visiting coaches next to Bobby Bowden. Yeah, he seems to be a class act. I know two years ago in Austin, he sat down with Robbie Bolo for 20 minutes and gave him the time of day and was really complimentary. All right, more on Mac Brown tomorrow in Texas. It's been a great show today. Big thanks to everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, our engineer Aaron. If I forgot your name, I'm sorry, but there are a ton of people working behind the scenes. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Thanks for making us part of your day. Enjoy the rest of it.